How you guys doing today? That's pretty good, actually. Better than I thought after the pasta. Um, for those on the screen, we have a meal right before service. It's not just random pasta talk. So, hey, welcome to the Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. Should be the only time I say it. Um, if it's your first time here in a while, we're in the we're actually at the end. So next week will be the last one in this series. Jason, you want to be here, buddy? The net, the last one you want to be here for. It's my I'm I'm most excited about next week. So I'm not going to tell you the topic. I'm not going to do it. I want to, but I'm not going to do it. Next week, be here, last, last uh, message in our Redefine series. So today, we're going to talk about leadership. So what is Redefine? Redefine, and the idea is, is that we are trying to take words that we take for granted, their meaning, and we're comparing them to the Bible as our dictionary of sorts, right? The Bible dictates to us what these terms really mean, and sometimes if we don't go back to it and read the definition, we forget what it means, right? You with me? Okay, good. Yeah, here we go. So who wants to hear a story about young, arrogant college Todd? Yeah, yeah, there's lots of them. Um, that might be a new series in of itself. I learned a lot. So I didn't know I was arrogant at the time. That's the danger of arrogance, by the way. Arrogant people don't say they're arrogant. Um, so at the college that I went to, a few people here, huh? Alumni, yeah. I'm not going to say it just in case they're angry at me uh, when I tell the story. So at the college I went to, it's Grace College. At the college I went to, um, we have a, there was a leadership class. And that's what it called. Do they still have that, Grace folks? Okay, yeah, they give me a yeah. Now, at the time when I asked them, is there still like hundreds of people in it at a time? Yeah, so when I was there, small co- everybody went. Okay, everybody went to this leadership class. And it was literally called, I don't know if it's what it's still called, leadership. It was just called leadership class. Um, and the, it was a massive class, and you went there to learn how to be a leader. Um, two reasons why this was going to cause a problem for me. One, everyone did it, and I am, by nature, a rebel, which is sometimes good, often isn't, and I didn't want to go to where everyone else was going. But the second reason is I, I lived by this motto that real leaders are born, not made. You're either born a leader or you're not born a leader. And I do believe, before I go on, that There's the gift of leadership. People have the gift of leadership. But what I've learned over time is there's also the practice of leadership. See what I'm saying? So some people may be uh, better at lifting weights, right? They may be weight lifters, but everyone can practice lifting weights and do it. And so I not only didn't go, but when my friends would tell me, one of my best friends, if he's watching, he never is, uh, Chris... Um, in case he does catch this, he gets a little shout out. So he would come back and they made like pictures and I would mock them. I would mock them. I was like, I can't believe this dude. You think I'm going to waste an hour going to, you can't teach someone to be a leader, man. You just are, you're not. All right. And uh, it legitimately, I only realized the arrogance of that statement probably four years ago. <laughs> legitimately. Because I live, my, my parents kind of taught this too. Both my parents are by nature leaders. And so I think that they kind of naturally probably thought that too, right? I remember my dad and kind of talking about, about that. And I lived by that motto, and I look back on it, and I missed out on the opportunity to really grow and learn because in my mind, if someone's telling me how to be a leader, they're just rep. And so some of you out there today, you need to understand that I'm not talking about the gift of leadership. We're not going to talk about that. I mean, we, we're talking about leadership as a practice, Because, you ready for this? If you're in a room today, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, and you say, I'm a Christian, guess what? You're already called to be a leader. By the very definition of the word, you are going to have to lead in a world that's trying to lead you somewhere else. The truth is, is is what I'm telling you today and what I'm still learning, and certainly didn't know back in my arrogant young college days, you know, last year. I'm just kidding. The truth is, uh, like most things, Jesus had to teach us what the real idea of kingdom leadership is, what it is in the kingdom of God to be a leader. And what he says to be a leader, what God, by the way, he creates it, the concept, what God says is leadership is countercultural, just like so many things, to what the world tells us. Now here's the thing. The world has come up with principles that work. This is so, so important. Listen to me. I know, you're zoning out. I'm going to clap and make you grumpy. Listen, stay with me. The world is going to tell you principles that work. They will work. They will get you what you want. But that doesn't mean that they're kingdom-based principles. That it's the definition the way God intended it. We're in the midst 
of a very contentious, argumentative, and heated battle about leadership. Did you know that? This election season shows us that people have very strong feelings about what leaders should look like and what leadership is. I've learned a lot about leadership this political season. I'm serious. Me, myself, I've learned a lot. And regardless of what you think I believe or don't believe, and I'm not afraid to tell you off camera, I do it here, but I don't represent everyone else. So the thing I've learned is I have so much admiration for people that are willing to lead the way they feel they're meant to lead, even when the world pushes back, even when everybody around seems to say that's not true, to stand up for what you believe is so incredibly inspiring to me. I've learned a lot about leadership watching this political season, not because I've practiced it, but because I'm looking at culture leaders and how they've led us through this. I have learned that some people that say they're cultural leaders are silent in the moments that are most heated. I've learned what it means to lead when opposed. What it means to have an identity that isn't rooted in outside voices. This is so important. So many of our cultural leaders, do you know why they're silent in the midst of heat, in the midst of pressure, in the midst of hard times? It's because deep, deep down, their position, right, their leadership is dependent on their position, and their position is dependent on whether everyone's happy with them. Influencers. We've created a new position in life, social media influencers. There are people whose jobs are, we are influencers. I love that because it separates leaders. Is an influencer in and of itself a leader? No. No. An influencer is not a leader. An influencer can be a leader, but they're not a leader. But all leaders are influencers. Yeah. True leaders. Guys, Bottom line is, is that everyone has an opinion about leadership, about leaders. It's very popular in the church. If you go into a Christian bookstore, I don't even know if they even exist, but if you go into them today, any bookstore, but we're talking to you guys in the church, you know, there's sections on it, right? Christian leadership, leadership. I'm not saying it's wrong, clearly. I'm not that arrogant guy, just a little bit. There's a lot to learn. Everybody wants to be a leader. So many people that I've come with over through the years, we're in year, about to, isn't this crazy? We're about to be year seven of this church. It's wild. Only two years being in a building, so I think we've come a long way. But seven years, and in, over my seven years, what I've learned is tons of people want to volunteer to be a leader. Few people want to volunteer to serve. Hmm. See, if I come to you, this is where, I'm not going to call you out. If I come to you and ask you to lead a ministry, and you're like, yeah, and that, you're more willing to do that than join a ministry? There's a problem. There's a problem. Leadership is important and it matters. And this election season has taught us how important it is. Not everyone in this room will be a leader in title. Watching out there. No one will even be out a leader in the sense of they're out front of the crowd. You may never be that. You may say, I am not called to be a leader. Wrong. You may not be the one that's out front. You may not be gifted to be the one that's speaking up, but you are called to be a leader, period, if you claim the name of Christ. Every, you know what's also odd? It's weird how everyone says, I'm a leader. I see it all the time, right? I'm a leader. You put on your resume. Do you ever put, I'm a servant, on your resume? No, but you sure put that you led that ministry, don't you? It tells you how we value that position. It also tells you that there are very few leaders in the world, and so we value them. But because we value them, we start to uh, lower the standard of what it is to be a leader. See what I'm saying? We're not raising up leaders, we're lowering the standard. Not everyone will be a leader in the title or, in the, or out in front of everyone, but the call to follow Jesus requires a life of leadership because it requires a willingness to live a truth and set an example that points people to love, hope, and the truth. Which in turn leads to what? Life. Life. Jesus has said, God has made you. You are a city on a hill. He says that. You are what people look to. You are a light in a dark room. Where are you leading them? 
Light of the world, sin and hill, that is leadership. So we're all called to it. So what is it? What does it mean to lead? Why is it so important to us that we feel like, you ready for this? Why is it so important to humanity that we feel like we are viewed as leaders? See, some of you could care less about actually leading, but you certainly want to be viewed as a leader. Yeah. And I'll give you a little uh, preview of later. You know when those people get separated? When the heat's turned up. When the weight's put on. That's when the false leaders, the people that just want the title, they fold. Because it was never about leading. It was about look at me, look at me. Why do we feel it's so important to be viewed as leaders? Why do we feel so unimportant? This is big. Why do you feel so unimportant if someone doesn't view you as a leader? That's some of you in this room. If someone doesn't call you a leader, if someone doesn't value what your title is, then you aren't important. Why? We need to look at what God says on the subject of leadership. So today, and I gave, told you this earlier, we're going to redefine the word leadership using God's word as the dictionary by which we compare it. And if our definition and your definition does not match Jesus's, God's, and you call yourself a Christian, then guess what? He doesn't change his. You've got to change yours. See, this whole series, I want people to get air. I want people to get mad. Did you know I choose names for a reason? So I want the casual Christian drives by and go, who he think he is redefining words? The Bible does, and they get on that trick him. See, I got him. Because I'm not redefining. That's what the parentheses are for. We're just saying again what truth is. So we're going to turn to, you guys can jump to this now. It's not going to be on this. Hold up on the screen, guys. Uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And it's verses 42 through 45. If you have your Bibles, you can look ahead. So Mark 10, 42 through 45. But before we read it, I want to explain to you the situation. It's very important. I don't want to make you read the whole thing. So Jesus is traveling. We'll call them the apostles. Now the 12 closest to him. There's a lot following him. And two of the 12, James and John, okay, James and John, they call it the sons of Zebedee. What else do they call them? Anyone know? The sons of thunder. I love that. Imagine if God's like, you know what? You're the rock and you two are the sons of thunder. Right? I think part of it was because they were loud. Right? Just probably loud mouths. But they're bold. And we see it here because imagine you're following Jesus around. You see him do miracles. You believe he's the Messiah, but you believe he's the Messiah in the sense that you expected. He's going to literally overturn the Roman Empire, and restore Israel to its glory. And he's going to sit on the throne as king, right? He is going to militarily overthrow the Roman Empire. And if you understand that's their, their thinking, you'll know why they were so confused all the time. They're like, okay, when are we going to start leading the army? I'm ready, okay? So what happens here is these two guys come up to him, and I envision there's two different accounts. We know that his mother, their mother was with him, which, by the way, is slightly embarrassing. One of the versions says the sons of thunder came with their mother to Jesus. So they're like... Whether it was mom pushing them to do this or whether they were like, I need you, mom, I'm scared. They go up to Jesus, two guys and their mom, and they say, we have something important to ask of you. And Jesus goes, I love this because you know what he knows. What are, you, uh, what are you asking? He says, when you, they said, when you get on your throne, we want to sit on your right and your left. We want to be, it's cool, you can be the big throne, but we want to be little ones on the right and left. And the first thing Jesus said, by the way, he doesn't say yes or no. He says, are you willing to drink from the cup I'm willing to drink from? And they go, absolutely, because again, they're like, we're probably thinking gold cups here. We're, I'll be sipping out of your gold cup all day, right? I'll sip out of the king's cup, and Jesus says, foreshadowing, you will drink out of the cup, but it's not for me to determine who sits here on the right and the left. By the way, he's foreshadowing suffering. If you want the glory, you have to be willing to suffer for it, okay? But this is where we pick up the story. So then the other disciples, by the way, get angry. They're like, hey, did you hear James and John and their mom are over there asking Jesus to be one of the, like, to be above us? And they're all starting to argue. And this is where we pick it up. Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles dominate them. And they're men of high positions. What's another name for a man of high position? Leader. Exercise power over them. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become a great, I'm sorry, who wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all. 
What's he doing here? So he calls them over as they're arguing about which one's greater. Who's the best? Peter's probably going, yo, I'm the best. I'm the rock. He told me. His church, whatever that is, is going to be built on me. They're arguing. Oh, God, we're the sons of thunder. He just told us, blah, blah, blah. Who's going to be? Blah, blah, blah. They're arguing. He says, listen, you don't get it. You don't get it. Thank you guys for putting it up because I got off topic already. But, and he, say, he fills it up. He says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Oof. Even the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. So Jesus was saying, even I didn't come here to be served, but I came here to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. So listen, he makes a correlation between the way the world views being a leader and the way he views leadership. The way the world views who is great and the way he views who is great. It's a direct correlation, guys. What does he say? He says, listen, the world says that it's about power. It's about authority. It's about being served. Honestly, some of you in this room, you think being a leader is about you being served. Husbands, that's where some of you go, go wrong in your leadership, by the way. Sometimes we get caught up in the, in the mindset that, you know, God gave us the crown. He gave us the crown to be served, right? No, no, no. Like Christ. Jesus says the opposite. He says, listen, it's, they say it's about power and authority, about being served. And he says, not, no uncertain terms. It's not to be like that among you. It must not be like that among you. It can't be like that with my people. He says, you want to be first? You want to be the greatest ruler? You want to be a real leader? You want to be a king? You must be a slave to all. Now listen. The problem is in our modern American U.S. US world, the majority of us, you think you know what slavery is because someone in a book told you and somebody told you that in other countries is happening. You have no concept of what it is to truly be a slave, to understand you have zero rights, that you do and you are at the beck and call of a master. So when he says this to them, he says, you want to be great, you want to be high, you have to be a slave to everyone. Slaves would have had a real meaning to the apostles. It would have been even more shocking than it is to you. The only way that I can really make some of you get this is to come into your world, walk in your world, find the lowest thing that you can think of and say, you want to be great, you be like that. It's not just serving because, see, serving is dependent on when you feel like it. I want to say that again. Some of you view service when you feel like it. He says it's like slavery. You will do it when you don't. It would have been shocking. They wouldn't have understood right off the bat. And then he goes even farther where he says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. I did not come to be served. Do you not get that? I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, to give my life a ransom for many. I'm going to die for other people. Some of you say you're a leader, but you're not even willing to let your pride die. For five minutes. It's another powerful statement that runs counterculture to everything they had been taught about rulership, leaders, and leadership. Guys, we don't have a king. So even that sometimes we're like, oh, kings, yeah, Britain, right? Revolutionary War. Yeah, we don't get it. To compare the two to say this king is not as good as the slave to everyone would have been shocking. And it's something that so many of us should be thinking every day. Why is it that you get so offended if somebody's not respecting your authority, right? Huh? Because they recognize that you're just probably, I don't mean to offend you, are you being a poser? One of my favorite movies, all right? Not poser. One of my favorite movies is called Braveheart, and it's this incredibly powerful statement where he says, men don't follow titles, they follow courage. People don't follow titles, they follow courage, consistency. And the only time, here's the weird thing. Do you know the only time you truly know if someone's courageous? When the heat's turned up. What happens when it's tested? See, that's what happens. Some of you are great leaders, and then, and then we've bought into the lie that when it's tested, you fall apart. Why aren't they listening? They should. I'm a boss. 
I want to give you another section too. It's one of the times, the only times Jesus gets legitimately angry beyond at sin and death. He gets very, very angry. And it's towards the religious leaders. And I'm just going to dive right into it. It's uh, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Matthew, the gospel, Matthew chapter 12. I'm sorry, 23, 1 through 11. It's fine, guys. I added 12. They freak out when I do that. See? Good job. <laughs> then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees, scribes are other religious leaders, guys. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. They have the authority of, that Moses had. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. <laughs> I love, you're already not getting it. Because these, the, these are the elite of the elite. They are wealthy, they are powerful, and he's saying, do what they say, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. They tie up, this is, hey, right here is a leadership lesson for you. I could quit right now, take this. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do, so, they do everything to be observed by others. Oof. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They, they make their, their signs of authority big and flashy. They love the place of honor at banquets and the front seats in the synagogues or in the church. Greetings in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by people, teacher. But as for you, do not be called rabbi because you have one teacher and you're all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. And do not be called masters either because you have one master, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. And I added this. They didn't know because it's so powerful. He says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted, lifted up. Now, before I go on, this is very important. He's not saying that if you call someone a teacher, they're your teacher, you're sinning, and you can't call your dad father if he's saying it. It's about that honor. It's about saying, putting someone in a position, right, being obsessed with that. That title is nothing in the context of who your real father is, your real teacher, your real master. Here Jesus does the same thing he did in Mark, where he, except he uses the Pharisees. And by the way, he goes on, you want to see Jesus get mad, go read the next sections. And why? It's not even in here. Somehow he got very angry that false leaders were leading his people and putting weights on them without helping them take them off. There's something very powerful about that. Here Jesus uses the Pharisees and scribes, the religious leaders, to show the difference between worldly leadership and true leadership. I call it true leadership because who's the one that created it? He did, so it has to be the, the original. You see, they made it about themselves, guys. Worldly leaders always want it to be about the show. As long as I look the part, some of you in this room do that. I know you personally. I'm not trying... I don't, this will look bad. I'll look bad. If I do this, I want to blah, 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 blah. And then you wonder why no one follows you because, it, listen, you're not a good actor as you think you are. People don't want to see the false perfection. People don't want to see the length and tassels and the long phylacteries. People want to see someone who is going to point them to the truth. And the truth isn't found up in the way you dress. The truth isn't found up in the way your appearance of leadership and perfection. It's not there. Are you pointing them to the master? They make it about the show. As long as you make, as long as I look the part, then I am the part. It's a great masquerade. People playing different roles. It's not about titles. Guys, quit focusing on titles. It's the wrong focus. That's what Jesus is saying. Quit worrying about it. You're missing the point. He said, true leaders, true great. You strive for excellence? I do. Do you? That's good. That's not wrong. If your person strives for excellence, he gives us a clue right here as to what that is. True great is measured, ready, by your level of service. Why? Do you serve? Because service is love. It is. Love is patient, love is kind. You ready? I'm going to skip down. Love endures all things. Endures. Believes all things. Right? In another section in Galatians, it tells us carry each other's burdens. You ready? This is so good, guys. I'll show you how important service is. Carry each other's burdens. That's an act. I'm going to get underneath this weight with you, and I'm going to carry it. It's one thing to say, hey, David, uh, hey, if you get your shoulder under it and really put your weight belt on, you can carry that weight, right? Go ahead. <laughs> 
Or I get down there and I put my shoulder under it and I carry it with him. Jesus said that is fulfilling the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, when you serve this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, Todd, I thought the law of Christ is to love the God, God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love others as yourself. What is loving others as yourself? Doing it. I'll say this again. If you're at the remnant and you go through our leadership class, who are you to teach leadership? I already told you what arrogant Todd said. There's always things to teach, right? What, one of the things you're going to say, the one thing I want you to take, I bet you people in here could say it. Leadership is weight. W-E-I-G-H-T, not W-A-I-T. That would make no sense. Leadership is weight. If you're not carrying weight, if you don't feel tired, if you don't feel sometimes a little burdened, and a little, you're not leading. Leadership is, is, is weight, I'm telling you right now. I hear it all the time, I'm so tired. I, you know, I've, I've even said it to some of the interns before. They've come to me, I may have even said to Emma one time, they come to me, oh, I'm so tired. I'm like, good, that tells me you're actually leading now. If I have a leader that sits down, I don't know, lights a cigar, kicks his feet, I'm like, this is a good day. Well, you, what, you, what were you doing? Hide, you know what you were doing? What a lot of uh, leaders do, they ain't going to like this, because I'm, I'm going to call it out. They're sitting in their office. You know when they're in their office... Probably out of eight hours, they're working about two. The six, you're trying to figure out to look busy. <laughs> right? Sorry, guys. CEOs are really mad. Yeah. But here's the thing that makes them leaders, though. I'm serious. That two hours is weighty. And some of them are far more than that. It's weight. Jesus said that. How much was he willing to carry? He's willing to carry a cross. The weight of the world. The weight of your sins. Some of you don't even want to go up and make a sandwich for someone. My feet hurt. Imagine Jesus, like, hey, uh, I'm going to beat you. I want you to carry the cross up there. My feet hurt. I just got flogged. No, he picked it up, and he bore the weight of that cross to serve. How far? To death. That's how far. You know, one of the things, guys, that I've been really focused on the last year, and if you've been here, you know I'm going to keep saying it, the last calendar year, not 2021, that'd be silly, we're only one month in. Last calendar year is this, the quarantine and the election and all of these things that are happening are telling us, they're showing us the true church. I mean with a capital C, they're showing us who Christians are. They're showing who's willing to walk the walk it's showing us and it's giving us an opportunity. Guys, I want you to look in the mirror and understand that when Jesus said that those who want to save their lives will lose it, but if you lose your life for my sake, we'll find it. I want you to deal with that. I don't want you to gloss it off anymore. I don't want you to put it off or skip over that section. I want you to deal with what he is telling you. The fact is, you can come my way to life and it may be painful. And it may be hard, and you won't always be rewarded, but it leads to life. Or you can go their way, which is easier, doesn't have as many burdens, and it might get you temporary pleasure, but I promise you, the end will not be what you want. I've said it before. A big problem with some of you, well, I haven't changed in this, because you, you, you haven't heard the true gospel. You haven't died to self yet. You're still focused on saving yourself. You're still focused on this idea of Christianity instead of realizing we have to deal with these hard things Jesus says. The beauty comes in the death of self. This is about to get deep for you, which means I'm willing in those moments when it comes to his way or my way, I will die to self. If you were baptized in water, that's what you were saying. Who I was and my desires die and I am reborn in Christ. Now you understand when Paul says, it is not me that living, but Christ in me. And why does that, I'm tying it back to this, because I want you to deal with how uncomfortable this is. That is the call. But here's the thing. Well, Todd, that sounds horrible. It is, but it's better. It's tiring and it's exhausting and so it's hard. But listen, he'll never leave you and it is a better life. Service is love. So I want to talk about two different things here. I'm going to give you two lists because I'm just feeling frisky today. I'm going to give you what the world says. You want to lead? Lead like a boss. Let's see what leading like a boss is. Leading like a boss. This is like the world. This is the two options. Okay, this is what you've probably been taught whether you know it or not. Number one, leading like a boss is about my own glory. 
It's about me reaching my goals so somebody makes me feel better about who I am as a man or a woman or a person. If I'm successful enough, then people will love me and they will make me feel like something. You're missing the point already. It's about me, 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 I, I, I. Look at me. You, who, you elevate yourself at the expense of who? Everyone else. It's about my glory, my accomplishments, my resume. Number two, and it's tied to this, it's a badge of honor. Leading like a boss is just, it's a title. Hello, I'm the TEO. I made that up, but right? And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful, guys. Okay, I am that way too, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it is the mindset. We need Christian CEOs who are leading kingdom-minded, right? Leading like the kingdom, we need that. But if you get caught into that mindset, and before you say, you don't, I've lived in it. I, I worked in finance. I know exactly how it is, how tempting it can be. But our goal is not to what? To get a bunch of money and to get a bunch of titles and then what? Die? Do they go with you? They don't put your three letters in the coffin with you. It's a badge of honor, right? That kind of leadership says, hey, make me the leader of this ministry, Todd, so people give me honor. If you're not willing to serve, I'm not sure I can trust you to lead. People say, Todd, you have favorites. You mean I have people that I can trust who are willing to serve? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's not even about favorites. Some of the ones I trust, we probably don't get along. Right? That's the truth. But I love them like a brother and sister, and I see Jesus in them because of the way they serve, the way they lead. Oops, I gave you a hint. At leading like Jesus. It's a badge of honor. Number three, boss-like leadership or leading like a boss demands obedience and authority. You will give me what I'm due. And if you don't, I will punish you, take away your bonus, fire you, threaten you, bully you. You will do what I say or else. Number four, and it's tied with that. It's concerned more about obedience than direction. This is important. This is deep. You ready, Emma? This is a good one. I like this one. This is, bosses are concerned about obedience. Do what I say. They're not concerned about what direction you're leading your people. What do I mean by that? So if I am taking a walk and I'm supposed to, let's say me, I'm supposed to lead you to Warsaw. Guys, we're going to Warsaw. That's our goal. We're going to go to Warsaw. We're going to make a big house. And I don't know what we're going to do with it, but something good. Okay? And we're going to sell it. Okay? On the way there, I'm going to be more focused on whether, James, are you walking the way I told you to walk? Hey, someone pick me up. Someone scratch my back. Hey, I don't care. We're stopping right here, right now. We're going to do this the right way. All the while, we spend a year, and we've never taken one step closer to the house in Warsaw. True leadership is not focused on the obedience. It's focused on the vision and the direction. Where are we going? It's about inspiring people, and it's about showing people the way. I always put it this way. I thought this, I'm not married, but I hope to be soon. And the bottom line is, is this. When people, I have two options, right, if I'm a husband. I can grab my wife by her hair and drag her. I'm not going to do that. When some of you go, mm-hmm, yeah, that's a fact, right? People could do that. I grab her, I'm going to drag her. No, I'm not going to do that symbolically. Or I'm going to say, this is leadership. I'm walking, are you going to follow me? Leadership is concerned about the direction. The direction. Number five, it's look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my fancy suit. Huh? Look at my name. Yeah, see? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, look at me. Look at me. It's always about me. It's tied with the first one, but it's, it's always about, you know, the show. Hey, I want my parking spot. Trust me. I got a parking spot out here. It's not... I'm human. You don't think I pull up sometimes. Somebody's in my parking spot. It's not, even, it's not even labeled. You guys know my parking spot. I'm in the same place every day. I'm a human. I pull up here and someone's in it. And I have the human responsibility. My parking spot. Right? But that's why. You want to know why I live this? And now you all have started to, I don't even want to say it because you don't want to believe that you were inspired. Maybe I didn't. But I started parking way out here in the corner on Sundays. In the grass. And I come out today and it's the most beautiful thing. I see five cars parked out here by the grass to leave the better spots for people that are coming. You see what I'm saying? I didn't do that so you'd follow me. And maybe you did it on your own. But the point is, is that you focus on, 
right? The direction. It's not about look at me, look at me. It's about serving. Look at me as me pulling up and go, get on my spot. I've probably done it to the guys, but. <laughs> Number six, willing to placate the crowd to keep the position. This is huge, and you can see this in politics especially. See, boss-like leadership You'll notice that subtly, the really good ones do it subtly, the other ones just panic. But they'll do it subtly and they'll change the message depending on who they talk to. And, there, and there's a difference. Like Paul does that to a degree, right? If I'm talking to you, I want to connect what you think and see in your worldview to the truth. I want to have common ground. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying where someone literally changes the, entire, the entirety of the message dependent on the group he's talking to. So when I'm talking to you two, I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? I'm, I think we should use the money and we should buy uh, a playground. And then I come over here and I go, hey, I think a playground is stupid. We should definitely use the money to buy um, chairs. Right? Reminds me of the office episode. Do you remember the printer chair episode? Right? You change based on the crowd. Why? It's not about keeping you happy. It's not about keeping you happy. It's about making you both keep me in the position I'm in. Because i got to stay in this position. And the only way I can stay in this position is to make everybody happy. I made that mistake. I didn't change the, my first few years in ministry, some of you that were here early on, you may not have even noticed, there was a switch. Probably year two or three, there was a switch in me. And at first it probably seemed very jarring because I, I love people, I know it's going to shock you. I like to make people happy, not angry. And I've accepted that's not always going to happen. And I used to be so stressed all the time because I'm always running around trying to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it and make everyone happy with it. And finally I said, this is killing me. And it's, it's making other people unhappy. You have to trust God Lead through scripture and conviction and then let it go. You can't placate the crowd. Because they never gave you the position God did. Number seven. I'm not going down for you. You ever heard of, man, I don't want to say this, but I, can, I mean, we've, have you heard the uh, stories about Let's say during 2008 when the economy crashed or any of the times the economy struggling, and you hear about there's massive layoffs at a company, but the CEO got a 10% raise. That mindset, okay, and I'm not judging a person. There's a lot of weight, and, and, and the worker's worth his wages. But the reason that bothers us is deep down we know that sh it shouldn't be that way, right? It shouldn't be that you will be sacrificed for my good, that I'm not going down for you. That if it's down between me or you, it's always going to be you that goes down. Because I'm not going to. I will step on who I have to. I will say what I need to, to keep the position that I have. To keep what I have. What if Jesus did that? What if Jesus said, um, you know, I'm king of the universe. I don't really want to do this. I'm not going to. I've let you slap me. I mean, I, I don't know at what point I would have I'd have snapped my fingers and been done. Would it have been when they called me a liar? Would it have been when they slapped me? Would it have been when they spit in my face? Would it have been when they mocked me and put on a crown of thorns on my head when I'm the crown, king of the universe? Would it, would it have been when they called me a liar? Would it have been when they hung me on a cross and made a sign called king of the Jews while they laughed and pointed at me? At what point would I have walked away? Because I would have said, I'm not going down for you. Jesus didn't do that, did he? To the very end. To the very end. He went down for you. So that's the world standards. Now, really quickly, I want to tell you how to do true leadership, which is reflected in what? Leading like Jesus. <laughs> Leading like Jesus. Number one, it's not about my glory, but his. It's not about my glory. I'm human, guys. I'll use myself, you know, and I have to constantly tell myself that. It's hard. Have you ever tried to do the right thing? I'm not, don't use me, use yourself. Have you ever done the right thing and you see people that, that even when you do the right thing, they're tearing you down, they're pulling you down, they're making you feel small, and you, see, you look around, it's hard not to see the people doing it wrong, getting all the glory, right? That's okay. Because there will come a day Right, That everything I see, first of all, that I get to see, hopefully I get to see my father say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And whether or not the people around me see that doesn't matter. Because when they ask me any success I do have, I get to go, his glory alone. He did it. You're, you're horrible, Todd. I am. 
I hope I'm less horrible tomorrow. Isn't it crazy what God can accomplish through a really horrible guy? That's faithful. Number two, they're not concerned with the title. If you've got to have the title to lead, you're not a leader. I'm serious. That doesn't mean you can't be. But some of the best leaders are not the ones up front. They're the ones setting culture in the crowd. You can't have 15 CEOs. That's ridiculous, right? You got to have a good VP. See, people always, people are used to think, I'm sure some of you go, Todd has to be in charge. Or he's got that person. No, I don't. I make a great lieutenant. You know why? Because I know the value of having someone who is behind the mission, behind the vision, and sets culture. It doesn't matter about the title. The truth is, even if you have the title, someone else is going to say you don't deserve it. It's not about the title. Number three, speaks truth. This is simple. A true leader speaks truth. A true leader speaks truth. And what I mean by that is they're willing to speak truth even when it has a cost. Because if it's the truth, it's what's best for what? Those they lead. You understand what I'm saying, guys? Some of you judge leaders because they don't lie to you enough. <laughs> I'm serious. Some of your favorite leaders, whether it's in culture, TV, churches, they're really good liars. And you love them because what? They tell you what your itching ears want to hear. That's in the Bible. you got to be willing to speak the truth. Guys, there's going to come a time when the truth is going to upset the people you're wanting to lead. But see, you got to still tell them because to not tell them takes away the opportunity for what? For them to know the truth, to change their ways, right? To know what's best for them and good for them? Speak the truth. But what if they don't follow? God didn't tell you to worry about whether they follow. He told you to tell the truth. I've never talked about this a lot and I've hinted at it. Maybe someday, if you want to know privately, ask me. I've only had a... I'm almost as to say supernatural type situation or in my life really one time where God was speaking. And I, and I said that to him as he's talking and telling me what to do. I'll tell you what he told me to do and then the miracle that it happened. Okay. And, it, and by the way, anytime you have a moment like that, it's very important. It always needs to be filtered through scripture. God's not going to tell you to do something that the Bible doesn't tell you to do. All right. You hear me? That's how you get the loons. Right. Well, what about the guy that said God told him to shoot 40 people? That's not in the Bible. Okay. God didn't tell them that. But what it was is I said, well, God, what if, the, you know, and the thought I had was, God, what if they don't listen? He said, I told you to tell them the truth. Don't worry about whether they follow or not. Everyone will. That's reality, right? That's the, that's, whether it was my mind or whatever, that's the thought that came to my mind, and that's what you got to understand. To be a kingdom-minded leader means to tell the truth and leave it up to him and that person, whether they follow. Number five, I'm trying to go fast. No, no, number four, Sorry. It's with that. Speak truth. If you speak truth, you can also cave when it gets hard. you got to set culture. That's another key word around the remnant. If you get around here a lot, we want to be culture setters. What does that mean? It means when we want to stick our flag in the ground in God's truth, and it doesn't matter who tries to move us, we're not moving. Bottom line is, I will not move from here. You want to be around us? You want to be a part of this, right? Kingdom, that's what God says to do. Then you're, I, this is where we stand. This is the last stand. This is where we are. They set culture, and they live the truth they speak. Did Not perfectly. That's silly. No one's perfect. It is, do you even strive to? Right? Remember what Jesus said. Don't do, listen to what they say, but they don't do what they preach. He didn't say be perfect. He said they don't even, they don't do what they tell you to do. A true leader sets culture. It means what are you doing when no one's looking? What are you doing when they tell you to change? What do they do when the whole, what if there's 20 people telling you you're wrong, but you know that God's word says it's right? Are you willing to stand? It's easier to say that, right? It's easy to say that until the moment comes. Number five, I gotta move. I'm gonna lose people. I'm with you, Corey. Give me a second, all right? Hey, I know you're comparing it to the 15 minute ones when I first started. I can never go back to that. <clears throat> Number five, carries weight. I told you I was gonna give you a clue. That's motivated by love. I wanna carry David's weight from earlier because I love him. I don't want to see him struggling underneath that when I have two arms and I can, a decent back, and I can go pick him, you know, help him. You're right, it's terrible. But I still want to help him. A real leader carries weight. Are you looking to carry the weight off the people around you? So you're ready for some tangible examples? It doesn't just mean the big things. Like, I will carry the weight of people hating. It also means, like, are you willing to uh, replace the toilet paper in the bathroom? Hmm. 
Are you willing to uh, pick up the trash so that the next person doesn't have to? That's leadership. Did you know that? Are you willing to show up even when you don't want to? Are you willing to do it? Motivated by love. And here's the sad truth. I always use the people that clean the bathroom. Now they're kind of getting some glory here at the church. Like, the truth is you probably will never get the glory that you're due, but your father sees it. Keep carrying that weight. Number six, they're willing to do the dirty work. <laughs> right? They're willing to get their hands there. They're willing to get down there in the muck and the dirt to touch the untouchable dirt. Dirt, touch the untouchables, to clean toilets, to help people, to talk to someone at 3 a.m. when you gotta get up at 6 a.m. because they need someone to talk to, to speak truth, to live it when it's hard. Because by the way, everyone says the, like no one will look at what Jesus says and say that it's not good. It's when you live it out that people have a problem with it. They're gonna call you weird. They're going to call you a psycho. And if you're not being called that probably once a year or a cult, by the way, you think I don't know who you are when you're running around saying cult words. I know who you are. I'm just really nice and I don't talk to you about it yet. Anyway, sorry, an aside. Point is, are you willing to do the dirty work? They're going to call you things because you want to follow God. They did it to Jesus too. Are you willing to do the dirty work? Number seven, this is the most important. Leading like Jesus is sacrificial. It will have a cost. It will cost time. It will cost worry. It will cost sleep. Oh, some of you cannot handle that. It will cost your uh, peace. It will cost a hobby. It will cost money. It will cost relationships sometimes and friendships. It will cost, um, uh, it will cost your uh, popularity. It will cost your social status. It will have a cost. Do you know why we give soldiers what we used to? We're starting to, again, you know, in America even, so much honor. Because the very fact that they signed up says they're willing to give their life. And some of you in this room want to be a leader, but you're not even willing to give up some of your free time, your Netflix time. Well, I'm not bold. I'm not loud. You don't have to be. Some of those beautiful leaders, even within this congregation, are people that aren't loud and don't talk, but I see them. And, I, and when I, it makes me want to cry because like, I think about how much, how much, first off, their testimony speaks to me, but also how much... How proud God is of them. She's going to play some music. While she does, I want you to think about a couple things. This is called altar time. It's a time between you and God to respond, for you to respond to God in whatever way that looks like. Guys, we need a church that is leading from the front of the line. So many churches today, and everybody gets, oh, my goodness, I don't, I don't care. See, here's, I'm about, I almost placated. But I'm just going to say it. So many, so many of our churches, so many of our brothers and sisters, so many of us, I've done it, we all do it. We, we start to change the story or we stay silent. See, that's how we, make, we feel better about it. In the face of injustice, we stay silent because then we don't have to say, well, we didn't really stand against it, but you sure didn't stand for it. We need a church that's leading from the front, that's on the hill, that is the light that's guiding culture. That's what we need. And it starts with each of us individually. But we have to change the dynamics. Stop worrying about the title and start leading. Here's a weird thing I've learned about life. The more you stop worrying about the title and the more you start leading, the more people, and you shouldn't do it for this reason, they will see it. You've heard the saying, the cream rises to the top. That's true. The world is filled with so many false leaders and so many people that talk the talk and don't walk the walk that when you do, it eventually, it's noticed. I have a guy here that went through our program, right, uh, our internship program. I'm not going to say his name, but he can talk to you. And he came to me, and it was so cool. And he said, Todd, I got this, you know, I, I got my performance review. And he said, I got these really good comments. And he said, yeah, so much of it's learned, like I learned here, I learned in this internship. But you know what's crazy about the stuff he learned? It wasn't think crazy things. It was just a willingness to do the work, right? Do the work. Be honorable, be accountable, stand up for what's right, and eventually you're going to stand out in a world that just meshes together. What's your idea of leadership? Are you driven by this idea of being a boss? Are you motivated by a desire to lead? What kind of leadership does your life show in general? Do you find yourself striving to get recognition? Are you willing to be great in the kingdom even if it doesn't look great to the world? Sometimes I'm not. What if God's people, regardless of title or position, chose to live a life of servant leadership? 
just when you want to. It can't just be when you want to. Do you think it would have people asking why? Man, it would remind me of like Acts, right? Man, those stinking Christians, what is up with them? What They are just weird. They're always doing nice stuff. I saw one take my trash out the other day. I have no idea why. I took it to the corner. Why do he do that? He keeps doing it. The first time, they're kind of suspicious, right? Is he stealing through my trash? Third or fourth time, like, what is that guy doing? Before you know it, they're coming up and going, hey, thank you. Why do you do that? Oh, man, I just love you. Why do you love me? I don't know, because Jesus does. Boom. Do you think it would have people asking why? Do you think that if we lived a life of true leadership, that it would point people to our king and to their savior? Because even at our best, the kind of servant leadership that we do as humans pales in comparison to what the king's done for us. So if you're in here today and you, you have to be honest, you've let pride kick in, kick in and you know God right now is asking you to repent of that. It just means let it go. It means saying, God, I'm done. I'm letting this go. And, you know, maybe for a time you need to focus on just serving like crazy. Or maybe God's telling you, you know what, I've, I've not only called you to do the practice of leadership, but you have the gift of it and you're not practicing it because you know it has a cost. Or maybe you're using your gift in the wrong way. Gifted leaders can become good bosses, which is so dangerous and sad, right? Let's live a life of leadership that points to Jesus and helps each other and is, carries weight. If you're in this room, I already told you the truth. Typically, I do it much longer than this, but I'm going to make it quick. Guys, God loves you so much that he is leading you to life, even today. You're dead in your seat if you don't know Jesus. Well, I feel alive. That's true. You do, but you, you're not. You're just waiting to die. And no amount of good wishing and no amount of I believe this or that is going to change reality. And you've been given breath today. What a blessing. And I hope you do tomorrow. I do. But tomorrow's not promised. But today is. And you have an opportunity today to choose life. How do you have life? You have to go to God and repent and say, God, the way I've been living my life is wrong. I know it's wrong. I'm sorry. And then you accept this simple fact that God came down the form of man, Jesus Christ, died on a cross for your nice sins. We were guilty. Paid the price. A ransom for many. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. That sounds crazy. It is crazy. It doesn't mean it's not true. And today, God is giving you an opportunity. Well, I don't fit the mold. I don't look like a Christian. I don't talk like a Christian. My friends aren't Christians. So what? We need more Christians in that scene, in that circle, in that place. You can do that today. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you're saved. You can know forever that you're going to heaven. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to have it all figured out. It'll take you right today how you are. Whatever you do, don't leave here the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to. There's people up here willing to pray for you for anything, even if it's that decision. Make this time count.